in quite a few films, there's that moment about 70% into the film when things start to go wrong. If you think about the classic romantic comedy, the two characters have met, it's all going well, and then suddenly the love of his life has walked out. They've had an argument. It's about 70% in, and things start to go south, or maybe it's an action movie. Things are going well for the main character, but then about 70% in, it's all going wrong. He's been caught and been locked up by, I don't know, Dr. Evil or whoever it is. And you think at that moment, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And in the classic film, it gets to the end and you think, how on earth can this be resolved? And then you realize it's a film, it's going to be resolved. And so it gets to the finale and right at the end, like a phoenix from the ashes, the hero saves the day. Um, the, the couple, they get together, hold hands, and they walk out into the sunset. Or if it's an action movie, the main character rescues the world from certain disaster, and you leave the cinema feeling relieved and happy and a bit gullible that you ever believed it would end any other way. It's that 70% moment. that I don't know if you've noticed that. I've just seen that a few times. And uh, the reason I say that is because this little passage we're looking at, it's about 70% into the life of Jesus on the earth. And up to this point, things have been going pretty great for Jesus and his friends, his disciples. Incredible miracles have happened. The blind can now see, the lame can walk, water's been turned into wine. He's taught about the kingdom of God. He has changed hearts and minds. But it's that 70% mark. And Jesus, just around these chapters, and just before this chapter, he's starting to give hints that things are going to get harder and they're going to go, as the disciples see it, wrong. A bit earlier, he says, just before this passage, Jesus says to his disciples, soon the Son of Man is going to be glorified, i.e., I will soon be killed. I'll be lifted up on a cross. Or another time, Jesus says to his disciples, and this one must have been a real hitter for them, he said, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to let me down. He's kind of letting them know that presumably he's going to be arrested, perhaps by Jewish leaders or Roman leaders. The disciples wouldn't have known who. But things are starting to get harder. And then we get to this passage we're looking at today. And today, I'm actually going to particularly focus on just one verse verse 33. And I'm really looking at the second half. Jesus says this, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And because today is Remembrance Sunday, when we remember those who've lost their lives in war around the world, and when we pray for conflicts that are happening right now, things that we see on the news. And when we pray for God's peace and God's justice, the message of this verse is, I suggest, the greatest hope that we can ever receive and that we can ever give. Let's pray and let's look at this verse together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the way you spoke to your disciples and for the way that you also speak to us today through your words and by your spirit. 
Lord, would you speak to each one of us, particularly those today on this Remembrance Sunday who are particularly burdened by the conflicts and the wars around the world or people who are burdened by the situations in their own lives. We pray that this would be a message of hope and joy. Amen. Well, just two simple points today. The first one is, Jesus says to his disciples, it's the first half, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Doesn't sound very cheerful, but Jesus wants his disciples to be under no illusion. He wants them to know it's not going to be plain sailing, guys. You're going to experience difficulties. And you know what? Back in verse 20 of this passage, he kind of explains a bit more. He says back then in verse 20, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. When Jesus is condemned to death, crucified and then placed in the tomb, people will indeed rejoice that this annoying problem of a preacher from, of all places, Nazareth, has been put in the ground. When after all, the Jewish leaders, when they hear that Jesus put in the ground, or when some of them are hugely party to it, they think, great, our comfortable religious system can continue. This religious sect that centered around Jesus, presumably that can now die down. Little did they know. Or the Romans, they'll rejoice too, because when they put Jesus in the ground, all they really want the Jews to do is to be compliant, to pay their taxes. They don't really want to get involved in religious disputes. And so for them, when they crucify Jesus, in their minds, they're like, oh, oh, good, we've got rid of that one. That's over and done with. We can move on. Jesus says, the world will rejoice, but you you will weep and you will cry. He's saying in this world, you will know troubles. And sure, it goes much wider than just the loss of their precious rabbi. Jesus knows, and we know, don't we, that this world isn't as it should be. The world is fallen. Genesis 3 tells us that Adam and Eve, they defied God's words, made to be in God's image, and yet they did wrong, and they ate of the fruit that they shouldn't. And we know that now this creation, this world is groaning. It's not as it should be. People get into crippling debt. Loved ones do get sick. Wars ravage land. Innocent are injured and sometimes even killed. The world is not as it should be. And Jesus is saying, guys, I want to help you. I want you to know that we should expect suffering. When I was a younger Christian, I was sort of about 12 or 13 when I became a Christian, and I believed, and maybe you believed this before as well, I don't know, but I believed that if you obey God, that suffering basically won't come your way. Yes, the world suffer. Yes, those who aren't Christians, they're going to suffer. But I always secretly believed that probably if I follow Jesus, it will just be one long party. It'd be great. And, uh, and obviously, the Bible does say that in Deuteronomy 28, there are blessings for obedience. And actually, that's true. That's true. I've experienced that. Maybe you have too. There are blessings as we walk with him. There are joys. But Jesus is saying, don't be under any illusion. We're still in this world. You're still in this world. And in this world, we should expect suffering. And we're not alone. Think of the Apostle Paul. I did a little bit of a list of things that happened to Poor Paul in the Bible. So he was 
kidnapped, beaten, threatened, arrested many times, uh, accused in lawsuits, interrogated, sorry, interrogated, ridiculed, shipwrecked twice, and the capital bitten by a viper. Who wants the life of the apostle Paul? Poor Paul. But actually, that's the reality, isn't it? In Christian circles, as we, as we follow God, there will be suffering. We are in this world. But there's a principle in the Bible, and I was reading this this week, and I just find it so encouraging. It's not all doom and gloom. Because even though Tim Keller, the pastor, says suffering is at the heart of the Christian faith, so too is joy. So too is joy. And there's this bit in verse 21, or verse 20, when Jesus says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Your grief will turn to joy. And he gives the example of a woman giving birth to a child in, um, in, in pain. And actually how this woman will have loads of pain, but then she'll give birth. And as she gives birth, it's like she forgets the pain. I heard the story of a pastor in Canada who was running um, a sort of quite a large church. And there was a, a young lady who arrived in the church who was clearly from a very broken background, and she was pregnant. She was sort of uh, late teens, early 20s, that sort of age. And the whole church gathered around this young woman, and they looked after her, and the women invited her home and blessed her. And so the pastor was quite involved with, with helping this young lady and teaching her. Anyway, it got to the point where this young lady was about to give birth, and many of the women in the church said they would go to the hospital with her because she had no family. And they took her to the hospital, and they took her in, and they put her uh, in, in, in the room, and the midwives were helping her, and the ladies were gathering around, and this poor pastor called Pastor Paul, who had invested so much in this lady, he went in the room opposite the waiting room, and he said, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. And so he prayed and prayed. And he tells the story of how in the waiting room, he started to hear at the top of her voice, screaming. <laughs> and this poor pastor's listening to it, and she's screaming and she's yelling. And the nurses are walking past, and they're looking at him, and they know that this is fairly normal. But the pastor, he hasn't got a clue. He just thinks, what is happening to this woman? Anyway, she's really screaming. The nurses are sort of rolling their eyes slightly as they go past the waiting room where the pastor is. And he's thinking, God, this is so bad. This is so bad. And then suddenly, the screaming stopped. And as it stopped, he, he kind of waited, and then he heard the voice, and he recognized it as the voice of the young woman, and she suddenly said, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> and the pastor was thinking, no, that was bad. I had to suffer that. <laughs> but that's the truth of childbirth. I've seen my wife go through it three times. You go through pain, but at the end, you forget that pain. You forget that sorrow, and actually, you hold your child, and it's joy. And it's joy. And Jesus hints that this suffering that we will experience on this earth, it is only for a time. It's only for now. Don't worry. It will pass. It will pass. Joy is coming. And this concept of suffering, we're not alone. Of course, Jesus suffered more than all of us. I love that verse from the hymn, which says, See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flowed mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? 
It's from the hymn, When I Survey. And it's basically saying, Jesus suffered, but as he suffered, he brought freedom and he brought joy. And when we suffer, we know that one day, Jesus will return. And when he returns, all that pain we felt, just as that woman felt pain in childbirth, and we'll say, it wasn't so bad. And you know what? In Revelation, it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That's our hope, guys. That's our hope. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he goes on. This is the end of verse 33. Take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. That word overcome in the original language, it, it kind of means conquer. And so what he's saying is, he's saying, I have conquered, I have overcome your sin. I have overcome eternal death. The gates of hell will not prevail. And you know what? At this point with his disciples, at that 70% moment, he's saying to them, guys, I know the plan. I know where I'm going. Jesus knows his task. He knows the reason that his father sent him to the earth. He's not deviating from that plan one inch. His heart is set on getting to that cross to bring us that freedom and that joy. And you know what? In that moment when he says, take heart, what he's saying to them is, it's not that you're not going to experience pain, but he's saying, I know what happens next. I know what's going to happen. It's a bit like, I don't know if you've ever listened to or watched the musical Joseph in a Technicolor Dreamcoat. There's a, there's a line when Joseph is down in the dumps and the choir sing to him. And I think this is the essence of what Jesus is saying. They sing to him, and I won't sing it. They sing, don't give up, Joseph. Fight till you drop. We've read the book and you come out on top. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus knows that the end of the play, he knows that there's a final act. And the final act, the hero will rise like a phoenix from the ashes. Jesus, tortured and bloody, murdered on a cross, placed in a tomb, will three days later rise. And at that moment, he will banish our sin and he will bring hope to a despairing world. Sometimes I meet people who've said to me, I don't know if you've had this, Jesus, well, he was a good teacher, but he never intended to die. He was kind of caught up and then the Jews got him in the end, the Romans got him. But don't let anyone convince you that Jesus didn't know exactly where he was going, exactly what he was doing. He was getting to that cross. The gates of hell couldn't stop him. And in doing so, he banished eternal death and he brought us joy. And I suppose the question, just to finish our time together, is, and I wonder, what did Jesus want his disciples to do in response to this statement, this bit in verse 33? What, what was he expecting them to get out of it? And I guess the question as well would be, what does God expect you and I to get out of this story? What was the result that Jesus was after? Well, I was thinking, actually, it's a matter of keeping going persevering, knowing where it is that we're going, 
The world tells us that the purpose for living is to have fun, to have as much happiness as you can get out of the world. People say, I just want to be happy. It's like a refrain of this world. And if I buy the next thing, if I get that job promotion, if I get that marriage or that relationship, then I'll achieve it. I'll get there. But you and I, if we're believers in Jesus, we're called to something different. And it's what Jesus, I think, is getting at. He's saying, endure. Keep going. Press on. Keep going in me. Look to me as your joy and your peace. You're not going to find it in the world. For you and I, we need to stop looking for our eternal joy from this world. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the things we have, but it's never going to do it. It's never going to give you that peace that you've been searching for. It's never going to give you that joy. When we see on the news the the pain and the anguish, when we see the suffering, at those moments, don't turn to the world. You're never going to find it there. But if we turn to Jesus, we get what the disciples got. We get his peace and his joy. And they didn't have it then, just to be really honest with you. The disciples at that moment didn't really get it. And of course, when Jesus went to the cross, what do they do? They fled. Only Peter was fairly nearby, but even he betrayed Jesus and said, I don't know who he is. But do you know what? Later on, they did. They did. And we know that 10 out of the 12 disciples were martyred for their faith because they endured. They stood up and they said, I'm in. They had peace in God. And do you know what? That peace comes from saying, Lord, I want to know you more than anything else in this world. I want to rely on you more than anything else in this world. It surpasses all understanding. It's not based on earthly circumstance. It's not based on your possessions or your wealth. It's only found in knowing Jesus. There's a a great German pastor and theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who I used to enjoy reading a little bit when I was at university. And He protected the Jews back in the time of Nazi Germany. This is around 1945. And he also really tried to petition and oppose the Nazis. And eventually, one month before World War II ended, he was arrested, he was falsely accused and tried, and then he was hung. But the reason I mention him is because I think he's someone who knew that peace that joy that I was talking about that I think Jesus is referring to. And one bystander said, um, he commented that he saw Dietrich Bonhoeffer walking confidently up to the gallows where they took his life. And do you know what he was doing? He was preaching the gospel with his last breath. And this bystander then commented afterwards and he wrote it down and we have his report. And he wrote this, I've never seen anyone go to their death with such peace in their heart. Where does that peace come from? It's knowing where our trust lies. It's knowing that one day Jesus will return. It's knowing that this is not our home. It's knowing that one day we will go to be with him, where there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and we will enjoy him forever. This is our hope. This is a hope. So this week, when you read in the news of pain, on Remembrance Sunday, as we remember the suffering that's gone on before us and the suffering that's happening now, let's look to Christ as our hope and as the one that sustains us for all time.
Let's pray together.